This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. Well, it's a new year. If you're like me, you're thinking about new things. Turning corners, thinking forward, changes that need to take place, corners that need to be turned. Here at the church, we're, we're turning some corners. We're excited about the things that are happening. We've got our renovation project that's underway. We uh, Living Legacy campaign complete. We're excited. We're, we're, we're moving. We're seeing what God is doing with other projects that are going to be happening around the church. We'll find out more about some of those uh, later in the year. Uh, while we are so excited and want to celebrate those things, we also don't want to make them our focus. They're great things that God is doing, great things that we celebrate together, but, but they're, they're things. It's facility. It's structure. And while they're beneficial tools for the kingdom, they're not the point of who we're called to be in the Lord. We're going to begin a new, a new series to think forward about our focus for 2023. And we've been talking and praying, our leadership is discussing, and our focus is going to be on outreach and evangelism. Not on the building, not on the great things that are happening, on reaching out in the community, connecting with, with people, reaching into their lives and helping them draw closer to the Lord. And so our new series is called The Conversationalist. We're going to be talking about the, the interactions Jesus had throughout the Gospels, one-on-one -on -one conversations with people, learning from his approach to connecting, drawing people in, helping them grow personally, an important part of our faith as we live our lives, as we connect with people and help them grow, draw closer to the Lord. So we're going to learn from Jesus about how he helped people discover truth, process that truth, and come to a point of decision. And it's going to be a fun, interesting sermon series. The one thing I want to give as a, as a just kind of a, an aside, just so we're all on the same page. When we study the way Jesus interacts with people, we need to understand that there are some differences between Jesus and us. I know that's surprising. There's a little bit of a different perspective that Jesus has than we do. There's three things we want to talk about. One, Jesus has complete knowledge of another person when he interacts with them. His infinite knowledge. He knows their hearts. He knows their motivation. He knows exactly what they need when he engages people with conversation. He's able to provide exactly what they need. You and I, we're, we're in the dark as we connect with people. We have to, to watch and listen, read body language, and, and discover, sometimes the hard way, what people need and how we can meet those needs and draw them closer to the Lord. The second thing, as Jesus connects with people, it's a much more personal invitation from Jesus because he's drawing people into himself. He's inviting them to grow closer to him as Lord and Savior. When he, when he talks about the good news of the gospel, He's talking about himself. We are a third party in the, in the process. And so when we help people come to know Jesus, when we talk about the gospel, we're pointing people to the Lord from outside that equation. And it's just a different perspective. The third thing, I'm just going to use one word, perfection. Jesus is perfect. When he engages someone in conversation, there's no awkward pause. Did you get that? I do that sometimes, I just, you know, in the course of thinking about what, what's coming and how to respond. Sometimes there's just awkward pauses. Jesus is perfect. He doesn't have to wait and, and think about what to say. There's never a time in conversation where, where Jesus hesitates and then that perfect moment passes by and missed opportunity because he knows when to say the right thing. There's never a time when he comes on too strong and people kind of get offended and push away because he knows exactly what they 
need to hear. He's perfect in his approach. We are going to learn from his example, though, some very significant details about how to engage people, how to create these moments of evangelistic outreach. The first thing we're going to learn is the importance of engaging with people and connecting in conversation. The, the, the calling we have in our lives to live out the gospel on a daily basis and connect with people and help them draw closer to the Lord. Second, we're going to learn from Jesus the way to turn conversations toward the spiritual. Now, we all have conversations all the time about superficial things, mundane things, things that have substance, but not a lot of depth, like sports or what's going on in the world, maybe politics, definitely the weather. There's some, some topics that are just safe to talk about all the time. But how do we take a conversation and turn it toward the significant? How do we, how do we move to the, the things of eternal significance? How do, we, how do we successfully move a conversation into the realm of the spiritual? It's an important thing we'll learn from Jesus. Third, we'll learn how to present the truth and explain it in greater detail. And Jesus is excellent at doing that. Fourth, we'll learn about how to inspire change in the lives of people. How, how to help people understand the, that next step they need to take to come closer to the Lord. Maybe it's a change in, in belief. Maybe it's a change in habits and behaviors. Maybe the change is, is accepting Christ as Lord and Savior, moving from one place to another and accepting Christ, becoming a Christian, entering into that new life in Him. Fifth, we'll also learn about how to use wisdom and discernment from the Holy Spirit, how to let God work through us as we engage with people to meet their needs, to discover how we can relate and make the truth that we're presenting relatable as we draw them closer to the Lord. It's a lot that we learn from Jesus and many stories for us to learn from. We're going to begin with a conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus found in the Gospel of John, chapter 3. If you want to open your Bibles and read along with me, the words will be on the screen as well. We're going to be reading beginning in verse 1. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Now this is the beginning of a conversation. And it's not a typical evangelistic conversation. Jesus isn't encountering someone who has no idea about church or religion. He, he, this, this conversation is, is with a man who knows very much about God, who has studied in detail the Old Testament scriptures. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, a, a man dedicated to the law, an expert in the law who has spent countless hours studying Old Testament. He's also a member of the Sanhedrin, an elite group of, of 70 of, of the leaders of the people of Israel who gathered together and formed basically uh, the Supreme Court of the people of Israel at the time. They are well-respected, powerful. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus with this background. He's well-educated and a powerful man. Have you noticed how those things tend to be a roadblock in our taking in of information, of our learning and changing and growing when we become more educated, when we fill our heads with knowledge and information, sometimes we, we begin to believe about ourselves that, that we are becoming experts in a field, that we have all the information that we need and we don't need to hear more from you. And we develop this superiority, this, this almost condescending attitude that, that excludes new information. When, when we 
discover this idea of becoming powerful, when we are called a leader, when we're promoted to a place of, of, of a manager, and we get accustomed to the idea of giving instructions for other people to follow, we, we begin to close our minds. We begin to have a difficult time receiving instructions from other people and, and listening carefully and, and being willing to adapt and change to what other people have to say because we're so used to dictating how things should be. And yet this is where Nicodemus is coming from, a place of, of well-educated power, and he's still willing to approach Jesus as he invites this conversation to begin. There's something different about Nicodemus that sets him apart from the other religious leaders. Those other Pharisees have been threatened by Jesus. The, the signs that he's performing, the crowd that's following him, they, they see Jesus as a threat to their position, and they've been looking for ways to discredit him, even to kill him throughout the Gospels. Nicodemus, on the other hand, approached Jesus with a willingness to, to listen calling him a rabbi, a term of respect, a religious leader of the Jews who is a teacher. And by calling Jesus rabbi, indicated not only the respect he had, but his willingness to hear what Jesus had to say. This is how their conversation began. And immediately Nicodemus began on spiritual terms. And this is what we need to be prepared for, is that, that any conversation that begins can become a spiritual conversation. There's nothing special about this night when Nicodemus approached Jesus to begin a conversation. We hear about Nicodemus's background. We don't hear anything about the night. There's nothing, no, no big event that happened that night. This could be a Tuesday at night and Nicodemus walked up to Jesus, started talking about the spiritual kinds of things. Maybe this idea is a little bit intimidating to you, that any conversation you have might become a spiritual conversation. I, I find that idea a bit overwhelming sometimes, that, that conversations can turn. Maybe, maybe you're among the group of people who find conversations with new people to be a little intimidating. As we learn about the art of conversation from Jesus, what we find is there are some people that are just gifted in conversation. They are naturals. There are other people who, who grow in the skill of having conversations. I've been learning all about conversations my whole life. Why? Because my dad is one of those people who is a natural at conversations. He can start a conversation with anybody, anywhere, at any time. And probably if you're one of those people who, who really is uncomfortable starting conversations with other people, someone that's close to you, a spouse or a parent, is one of those people who will talk and talk and talk and talk. I know because I, I see you standing in the, in the foyer and I say, hey, what, you know, what's going on? Oh, I'm just waiting. They're still talking as usual. You, it's a part of life. But we, we grow in our understanding of how that works. When I was a kid, at the end of our street, there was a shopping center. Had everything we needed. We shopped there all the time. Central Center in Chillicothe. Uh, there was a department store, a grocery store, um, a Chinese restaurant. Our pediatrician's office was there. Uh, Baskin-Robbins ice cream. A hardware store, coast to coast. And we would shop there all the time. And when I, when I would go with my dad, just the two of us, to the hardware store, we'd be working on something at home. You know, find, he'd need to bolt for the toilet. Whatever it was, we'd go to the hardware store. He'd go down the aisle and the clerk would walk up and say, oh, what can I help you find? And sure enough, it's a guy he worked with years ago. Oh, how's the family? We're going to have a conversation. I, you know, eight-year-old me, I'm like, what, what do I do? I just sit down on the shelf and find a way to entertain my, you know, hardware store. It's easy to find things to entertain yourself. Lots of tools and cool stuff to look at. They'd get talking and get done. And it's like, oh, finally, the, the clerk would say, okay, here's the part you need. It's great to see you. Have a good day. And my dad would turn and walk, not 10 steps, and see somebody looking at putty knives. Go, oh, I see you looking at putty knives. Here's my favorite brand. Like, just talking about whatever. It just anybody, anywhere, anytime, a conversation happens. I've learned from that. I'm actually becoming that person 
as hard as it is to, to imagine, my wife will send me to the grocery store for you know, a loaf of bread in the evening, and she'll call me, say, where are you? What are you talking about? You sent me to the grocery store. She said, yeah, that was an hour ago. What are you doing? I'm, like, I'm, I'm at the grocery store, and I bumped into someone, and we started talking. I, I, I've noticed that ministry happens at Walmart all the time. I'll just be shopping and somebody will, you know, like walk up to me in the, in the chip aisle. I'm like, oh, hey, let's talk. And, you know, I'll be praying with somebody in, in the grocery section. It's just things happen. You're laughing because, you know, probably met, you bumped into you at Walmart and we started talking about life and about, about stuff. That, the art of conversation is something we, we can develop and grow into, even if we're really uncomfortable with it. We have to be prepared for the fact that, that conversations are going to happen. And any conversation be, can become a spiritual conversation. But, but the thing that you need to be prepared for is that when you make yourself available to God, when you come to a place where you say, okay, God, we're, we're going to talk about outreach and evangelism. Uh, and yeah, there's, there's going to be big things happening as a church. We're going to be moving into the community and, and connecting with people. I also want to encourage all of us to think about how we can personally connect in conversation, how we can personally engage our, our circle and think about how God can use us to reach in the lives of people. When you make yourself available to God for that, be ready because he will bring conversations to you. You don't have to think about how hard it is to start a conversation, how uncomfortable it makes you feel, because people will start talking to you. That's what I've experienced. They just walk up. I'm like, what? what is happening here? God is bringing people into our lives that need to know more about him. He's intersecting our paths and creating moments for us to be faithful in helping draw people to him. And like Nicodemus, these conversations happen out of the blue. It's, it's, it's evening on, on whatever day it is. And Nicodemus walked up to Jesus and started the conversation and started it on spiritual terms. As intimidating as it is to think, okay, how can I move from the Super Bowl to salvation? I have no idea how to make that connection. When people have a big question, when they're experiencing crisis, they're not going to wait for you to bring up something spiritual. They are going to talk about whatever's happening in the world, just, just waiting. Da, 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 da. Okay, let, let, me, let me help me with this. They're, they're ready to ask. They're ready to share. They need support and help and guidance. And God will bring those conversations into your path when you open yourself up to be used by him in that way. So be ready. Don't worry about the details. Trust God, especially when you've been praying about this possibility. Trust that God will be faithful and bring people into your life and help you through that process. Nicodemus approached Jesus with, with, with this unique statement. He said, we, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing with, if God were not with him. We've, we've seen the power of God in you, and it's obvious that God is with you. I can recognize the, the things of God. And so I'm coming to you now. And he began the spiritual conversation that way. When you live your faith out genuinely in the world around you, people will see the things of God present in your life. What are those things? Well, they may not fully understand what those things are, but they'll recognize something that, that they don't have. Maybe they've heard you praying over your lunch in the cafeteria or the lunchroom. Maybe they've seen you be kind and generous to someone when everybody else around you is frustrated and tired of dealing with that person. Maybe they've seen you being very careful with your language when everybody else is really free with those words. Maybe they've seen you being honest, operating with restraint morally when everybody else around you is not. 
And, and when they recognize you reflecting the things of God in your life, you become a safe place to talk about spiritual things. They, 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 even if it's not in that moment, they'll store that memory for a later time when they're experiencing crisis. When a big question comes up, you then become a resource to them. Because they've seen the things of God present in your life, when they want to know more about God, you are a person that they can approach to help them understand the things that they don't yet understand. Be ready. Nicodemus approached Jesus. I've seen the things of God in you. And Jesus responded to that statement with this unique spiritual truth. Oh, you've seen the things of God in me? You can't begin to recognize the kingdom unless you're born again. Until you become a part of the kingdom, you'll never understand the things of God. But when? You allow Christ to, to change you. When you step into this new life that can only be stepped into when you're born again, you will finally see the fullness. You'll finally begin to understand the things of God, the things of the kingdom. Jesus let Nicodemus know that while he was on the right track, there was more for him to, to see, more for him to understand. So he became part of that kingdom. So Nicodemus responded, verse 4, continue. You, you, you won't be able to recognize the, the things of the kingdom until you're born again. Here's what Nicodemus said. How can someone be born again when they're old? Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, you can't tell where it comes from, where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Notice the question that came up immediately for Nicodemus. They're born again. It doesn't make any sense. When conversation is a spiritual conversation, you can count on the fact that it will bring about significant questions. The things of God are complex. The things of God are confusing, especially for those who aren't yet a part of the kingdom. And questions immediately come up. Now, Nicodemus was interested. He was open. He was searching. And that's a good place for him to be. And notice that he didn't question the value of his whole life changing. He didn't, he didn't begin to question that, that it was important for him to be born again. He questioned the process. How does that happen? And he's very literal about it, probably more literal than anybody should be. But, but he wants to know, how can this even possibly happen? This is a big question for him in his life. As he approached Jesus, Jesus said, you have to be born again. Well, that, that's a big change, and I don't understand how it takes place. Have you noticed that this is a question many people struggle with? Not, is a relationship with Jesus meaningful? Not, is a relationship with Jesus significant? Does it have value eternally? No. The question is, is this kind of change possible for me? As we get older, as we continue being what we've been for a long period of time, as we continue in our set of beliefs that we've had, it gets more and more difficult for us to change. Have you noticed that? Those habits become ingrained. Those beliefs become a structure, a framework that we have trouble letting go of. And when we think about the changes that, that Christ calls us to make, Sometimes we wonder, is that even possible? 
if I were to be born again, if I were to take a, a big step toward the Lord, if I'm already a Christian, I know there are things that need to change in my life. If I, if I decide to make that change, is it even possible for that change to be real, to be permanent? Or am I, am I just going to fall back into those old things again? Is this even possible? How does this work? Nicodemus is having difficulty understanding the complexities of this significant change, but he is willing to seek out the answers to those questions. Have you noticed when you have a spiritual conversation, questions come. People want to know more. People want to have the information. They, want, they really are, are, are interested, desiring to know more about what it is you're talking about. And, and sometimes just that simple understanding that questions are going to come is intimidating. And we think, well, I really want to be used by God. I really want to make a difference in the lives of people and help draw them to the Lord. But I don't know where to begin. I don't have answers to all those questions. How can, how can I help connect people to Christ if I don't know my Bible very well. It's, it's, it's a, a common place for us to be. I've felt overwhelmed by that thought as well. What we need to understand is that the important thing is for us to value the question, to acknowledge that the question is important in the life of the person that you're talking to and prove to them that they are worth your time and energy in helping them find an answer to that question. You don't have to have the answer here and now. As long as you're willing to invest in them and help them find and answer the question. In our church in Kentucky, where I was a youth minister, we had a girl in the youth group walk up to me one day and say, hey, I, I've been reading my Bible. I'm like, that's great. I'm so glad you're reading your Bible. She said, no, no, it's not good. Really? What's so bad about reading your Bible? I keep reading the same thing over and over again. As I, as I read, I, I'm just full of questions. I, I can't understand what, what my Bible is saying to me. I'm like, okay, well, everybody has questions. No, no, no. She pulled out a notebook, like school paper, line paper, question after question after question. She's like, I'm reading the same verse over and over again. There's so many questions I have. I said, no, don't, don't worry about that. This is, this is good. W would you give me a copy of this? Can you email it to me? Let me photocopy this. And I'll, I will read what you're reading. I'll answer these questions for you. And we'll talk about what this means. Let me, let me help you find answers to these questions. And then, and then let me help help you understand how to find this information for yourself so that you can grow through your study of God's Word. It's important for us to acknowledge the questions is important and be willing to come back with answers. Now, there are times when I have to be careful because uh, I don't want to look like I don't know the answer. And it's important. You know, I'm a minister. I, I should probably know information about the Bible. But let me, let me, let me just tell you something. The things that I knew about the Bible that were right here are no longer right here. When I go, when I go to remember that information that I know should be right there, it's somewhere else. <laughs> and when somebody asks me a question and I, I think, I know this one, let me just tell you, I have to stop and think. And then I'm posed with a very particular problem. Do I continue to answer this question with basically the right information, but a lot of it kind of filled in on what I'm thinking at the moment? Or should I be honest and just say, hey, thank you for asking me this question. I would like to, to go back and read what you're reading and study a little bit so I can give you a great answer that, that will help you in the process. Now, that's an important thing for each of us to be willing to do. And it takes a lot of the pressure off. It takes a lot of, of the, the anxiety out of having a spiritual conversation because we know we can go in and not have to have studied beforehand everything. It's like, it's like going into an exam and having any question from the whole year 
right there on the exam. If you're going to have a spiritual conversation, be ready for every question, you better know the whole thing all the way through. No, when you engage people, the, the goal is to help them grow. And when they have a question that you don't know the answer to, it, it is as meaningful to say, I care about you enough to come back and answer this question when I have the right information for you. And then, and then walk with them through the process about how to read scripture properly, how to, how to understand the context, how to gain real information out of the Bible, how to look into appropriate uh, trusted commentaries. You need to be careful with commentaries and find authors uh, who will approach the Bible accurately. Uh, but help them see how to gain more insight and depth from their reading by, by, by uh, researching. Uh, and, and even say, hey, I have a friend who's a minister. Why don't we talk to them and, and see what their perspective is? I have some friends that are ministers. I think you know someone who's a minister who'd be glad to help you with this process. And we can work together for the good of people and their understanding of Scripture and coming to a place of decision for themselves. Now think about Nicodemus in the story with Jesus. He, he's coming to Jesus, very particular approach. And, and the information Jesus gave him presented a, a specific question. How does someone be born again? Nicodemus represents for us a very specific kind of conversation. Now, he is not an unbeliever. He is not far from religion, away from the church. He's not coming into this place where he, has, he knows nothing. He knows lots of information. He knows God in great detail. He knows the Old Testament scripture in incredible detail. And he represents to us the kind of conversation that happens with a friend of ours who is coming from a, a different denomination, from a different religion, who recognizes that there's a difference. I've, I've heard you talking about your relationship with the Lord. I've heard, heard you talking about faith. I've heard you talking about, talking about Scripture. And what you're saying is very different from what I've grown up hearing and believing. Let's talk about that. This is the kind of conversation. And Nicodemus it definitely needs to accept Christ to accept him as God in the flesh, as the Son of God, and needs to accept him as Lord and Savior, as the Messiah who came in the world. And, and sometimes when we encounter a friend of ours from another church or another denomination, another religion, the conversation that we have with them is, is significant spiritually. Even though they're a believer, there are some things that maybe they need to understand more accurately from the Bible. And when we have those conversations, it's important for us to remember that, that we're not having an argument. Because I think there's something inside all of us that, that kind of enjoys that theological debate. Oh, let's talk, about, let's talk about these little bits of Scripture. You're a believer, too. We don't have to worry so much about coming to Christ because we can talk specifically about, about these little tidbits of things that, that add depth and meaning. And so we get into these, these spiritual debates, and we end up arguing with people and trying to prove them wrong so that we can be proven right. And no matter who it is that we're talking to, we need to remember that the goal is for them to come closer to Jesus. The goal of that conversation is not to prove them wrong so that they can acknowledge that we're right. The goal is to help them grow. And the best way to help people grow is to work together toward the truth, to, to present the truth in a way that, that draws them in to accept that truth and to change because of it. And we can't do that by winning an argument. We can do that by walking through this process slowly together with them. That's what we see Jesus doing with Nicodemus. He's not arguing Nicodemus down. He's presenting nuggets of information and then explaining those nuggets of information toward a better understanding and a point of change in the life of Nicodemus. And so we need to be very careful in our approach to other people. There's a warning here for all of us that what we're, what we're doing when we engage in the lives of people and, and, and make an attempt to draw them close to the Lord is not a, an intellectual discussion or debate. 
because it's easy for us to stay there, to stay in this, in this conversation about theology. What we're pointing people to is an experience with Jesus, of bringing them to a place where the information we're talking about presents change for them to draw closer to the Lord, change that begins in that conversation. And so Jesus and Nicodemus continue talking in verse 9. After Jesus talks about the, 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 the Spirit and those who are born of the Spirit, Nicodemus says, how can this be? And so Jesus says, you're, you're Israel's teacher and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you about earthly things and, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up a snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life. Now this is, this is a, a broader explanation than, than Nicodemus was probably expecting. It's, it's broader than, than you and I would probably expect. But notice how answers to those questions, those spiritual questions, often require greater explanation. They require us to connect the dots, to, to meet people where they are, to relate to them with where they, where they currently are and help draw them closer to Jesus. This is exactly what Jesus is doing with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is an expert in the Old Testament. And so Jesus begins to explain his identity as the Messiah using a story from the Old Testament. So he says, you know, remember how Moses lifted up a snake on the pole and everybody was saved. That's the same thing that the, the Son of Man, the Messiah, is going to do. What? Well, this is a story from Numbers, a story of the, the people of Israel moving from Egypt to the Promised Land. Nicodemus would have known this very well, having studied, having probably memorized the, the first five books of, of the Old Testament, having studied training to be a Pharisee, he knew very well the story of the people of Israel who, who got grumpy and complainy on their journey toward the promised land, and they started to complain, to speak out against God, something you should never do, by the way, especially if you're the people of Israel moving toward the promised land. They were, they were calling God out. And God punished them by sending venomous snakes among them who bit them, and the people of Israel started dying. And they, they cried out to Moses, pray to God so that, so that we won't die. And so God answered Moses and said, make a snake, put it on a pole, and everybody who's been bitten will look at that snake, and the venom won't affect them. They won't die from it. Even though the people around them might die, if they're looking at the snake, they won't die. And so Jesus took this story that Nicodemus would have known very well about how people were saved from death, and allowed to continue living because of this image on a pole that saved them. He said, so will be the Son of Man. When Jesus was crucified and placed on the cross and hung up on a pole for all to see, those who turn their eyes to him, who believe in him as the Messiah, the Son of God, would find in him eternal life in the same way those who looked at the snake would. It's a deeper explanation, something that a man like Nicodemus would have understood Jesus connected the dots for him. He used this known story from the Bible to explain his role as the Messiah. And it's important for Nicodemus to connect the dots and come to a point of decision about Jesus. I, I wish we heard in this story about what happened in the life of Nicodemus, uh, of at what point maybe he accepted Christ and, and was born again. We don't know that. We don't, we don't know the details. We, we read about Nicodemus at two other events in the Gospels. The first is when Jesus is put on trial before his crucifixion. Nicodemus is a part of the Sanhedrin, who is the court trying Jesus. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus' defense in a very small way. 
And then after the death of Jesus, Nicodemus goes to the tomb with Joseph of Arimathea, and he's carrying with him a huge amount of spices to honor Jesus. And, and, and the evidence we have is that Jesus made an impact in the life of Nicodemus. We just don't know how great of an impact that was. We don't know if he became a believer. We don't know if he was baptized into Christ. We, we have no idea of knowing. And that's, that's the way it is sometimes with the conversations we have with people. We make an impact for the Lord. We don't always get to see the results. But that doesn't mean that the impact is meaningless. Every conversation that you have, spiritual, as you're answering questions, as you're talking with people about their relationship with the Lord, will have some kind of impact on them spiritually. And it's important to pray for those people, to pray for God to work in their lives, to bring them to a point of change, to accept Christ, be baptized in his name. But sometimes we have to trust God's work in their lives, even though we don't see the end results. It's important for us to step into those conversations with confidence and trust what God will do. And know that sometimes the most meaningful conversations don't all happen at, at once. And maybe the best thing we can do is to let someone know that we want to come back and finish the conversation at a later date. And let those conversations spread out over a couple of, of interactions, spread out over weeks, spread out over months or even years, and let God work in the hearts and minds of, of the people that we're talking to as we see him working, as we see changes being made, to, to continue praying for them and to see God's work over time as their hearts are opened to him, as they begin to be more and more open to his word, as they become more accepting of that truth, God will bring them to that confrontational moment of change. He will bring them to that place as he has done for you and for me, the place where they can no longer continue without making that decision. Am I going to accept Christ as Lord and Savior or am I not? When, we, when you care for people and pray for them and work with them and talk with them and demonstrate to them the significance of this conversation, God will take care of those details. And you will be able to see many times the way he's working. And sometimes you have to trust that someone else is finishing that conversation for you. But those spiritual conversations will be successful when we learn from Jesus and follow his example. We discover uh, a few things about these conversations. First, that they're, they're fluid. As we talk to people, as we engage them spiritually and begin to answer questions, we have to be ready for the, the conversation to take a different course than we expected, like a river flowing around obstacles. Questions come up that, that aren't a part of our plan. And we're going to have to be willing to set aside our plan for just a little bit to answer those questions because most of us can't move on to new topics until we've answered the, the very pertinent question that is really bugging us. And we have to be ready for that, that possibility of changing tack, of finding a different way around and walking with someone through all the questions that they have. The second thing we learn is that successful spiritual conversations are not only fluid, they're also intentional. While we're willing to change course, we also are keeping in mind the destination. And we don't get lost in the weeds. We don't get caught on a tributary that goes nowhere. We come back and, and remember where it is that, that God is leading us in the, in the purpose of this conversation. Third, successful spiritual conversations are, are beneficial. And we focus on the good of those we're talking to. We focus on their growth, on helping connect them to the Lord. And we don't get so wound up in arguing for the truth as we do helping people take small steps closer to the Lord. 
Fifth, we recognize successful spiritual conversations are, are an exchange. We're not talking about a, a spiritual lecture. We're not talking about a spiritual monologue. We're talking about an exchange of information. And in order to exchange information in conversation, you have to listen more than you talk. You have to be willing to hear from people where they are and what they need and allow God to, to help you discern the best place to point them to grow closer to him. Last, a successful spiritual conversation is productive and purposeful and moves forward toward an end. I've noticed in our world today that, that technology and social media have destroyed our ability to have real conversations. And as I'm talking with people, what I find is that we've gotten so used to texting and posting and tweeting that some conversations are an exchange of, of bits of information back and forth that sometimes are almost completely unrelated, almost like you would do on, on social media. And the people are now talking the way they type. And, and I find it hard to follow personally. And, and I want to encourage you as, as you open yourself up to these kinds of connections with people that you would think specifically about productive conversations, that when someone speaks, you would address what they're saying. And not just wait for an opportunity to, to say the next thing that you want to say, but that you would engage them where they are and answer the questions and, and talk with them about what they've said to help them grow. And know that as important and as insightful and significant as that thing is that you wanted to say, it's not as important as helping them move from where they are to the next step that they need to grow closer to the Lord. God works in us to meet the needs of people spiritually when we open ourselves up to him. This is the example we have in this conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. And, and this is in the Gospel of John. John recorded this exchange with a very specific purpose, acknowledging what Jesus said to Nicodemus. And, and you'll notice this is in John chapter 3, that Jesus is talking about the importance of being born again, the importance of having the, the, the dwelling presence of the Spirit of Nicodemus coming to this point of accepting Jesus as the means of eternal life. And here's what John wrote immediately after this conversation. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. John is connecting the dots for us as we read this truth about the conversation with Nicodemus. The conversation took place at night when there was darkness and Nicodemus didn't understand the things of God. John then said, truth, light has come into the world. And while it's difficult for the world to accept the light, while many people hate the light because their deeds are evil, Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This is truth that brings us to a point of decision. This is exactly the example that we have from Jesus, that we would hear truth, recognize its value in our lives, and be drawn closer to the Lord. And that drawing, that, that, in, that, that, that invitation calls us to a point of change. 
And I want to present that moment to you. If you need to accept Christ as Lord and Savior, based on your faith in him, your belief in him as the Son of God, you would confess your sins, proclaim as your Lord and Savior, and be baptized in his name. If you're already a Christian, the point of change maybe that God is calling you to right now is to open your life up to allow him to work through you, to, to begin having these kinds of conversations as you reach out in the community. And the decision that you have to make today is to, to, to open your eyes to what God is doing, to not be so busy that you move past the people that he's putting in your path, but to be ready for these conversations and willing to engage with people and draw them into the Lord. Maybe you're at a point in your life where that change that needs to take place is, is a, a complete change in you. And while you've accepted Christ, you've gotten used to some habits in your life that you know need to be removed. And you think, I don't know if it's possible for this change to take place in me. But it is. Not because you can make it happen, but because he can make it happen. By the power of, of Christ and the Spirit working in our lives, he can make those changes real and permanent when we surrender wholeheartedly to him. This morning, if you have a decision to make about your relationship with Jesus, if there's anything in your life that you'd like to have prayer for, I'd invite you to come forward as we stand and sing together.